from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, this is Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. In today's show, Mark wraps up his chat with U.S. Meat Export Federation President and CEO Dan Halstrom. Dustin discusses the latest Iowa biofuel production numbers with Iowa Renewable Fuels Association Executive Director Monty Shaw. And I talk with Steinseed President Myron Stein about Enlist E3 soybeans and short stature corn. Now here are your hosts for today, Mark Magnuson and Dustin Huffman. Well, thanks, Riley. As we get going here on Iowa Ag Matters, Mark Magnuson joining me here in the studio today as Andy is off getting some more great information for us to share in the future programs. And, of course, uh, Mark, you've had the chance to talk with the folks at Comstock Investments about what's going on. And tell us who you're talking to coming up here. Yeah, that's right. Dustin had a chance to talk about the cattle inventory report today with Joe from Comstock, and we'll have more coming up. But here is the latest on the grains. Joined today by Joe Camp of Comstock for our opening market discussion. Joe, what are we seeing taking place on the grains on this Thursday? Some overnight weakness here, not following through on what was a turnaround late in the session yesterday. We had a stronger start to the week on Tuesday uh, to follow up somewhat of a down day Monday, turnaround Tuesday, then down on Wednesday, and then ultimately corn and soybeans up for the close. So, you know, it's similar to in the sense that we're choppy, and, and what we're seeing overnight might not necessarily hold. We've got soybeans back down towards their crucial low at around $12. That's support around there. We did poke below there for a couple of days last week. Wheat is back below $6 in Chicago. That's a a bit of a negative here and uh, more pressure on demand concerns there. And then wheat kind of tagging along in between soybeans and and wheat corn is at the moment waiting for some fresh news. We did have a daily export sales announcement finally pop up here um, for for some corn or soybeans rather to Mexico. That's uh, usually not something we observe on a daily basis. Uh, but it is some further sign that maybe these uh, corn, soybeans, and even wheat have gotten cheap enough that they're going to start to uh, generate even more export interest in the days or weeks ahead. Joe, what is the situation with South America right now, some of the progress they're making, and the weather as well? Yeah, we observe uh, a harvest in full swing for Brazil. That's soybeans in the first corn crop. That means also that second safrina corn is going in. Uh, for the most part, they're ahead of a normal pace, and, and, and in part, that does follow from uh, you know crop stress that really rushed uh, a lot of those uh, fields to maturity. We're seeing that yield reports are down as expected disappointment. Some areas of Mato Grosso reporting, you know, farmers there, their worst crop in 40 years of of, uh, of row cropping in, in that region. It is a, you know, relatively fresh area in terms of uh, crop production in some spots. Now the top producing state, uh, but way off a normal average and something we're going to have to see I think adjusted lower in terms of the USDA estimate come next week, a week from today, the next crop report will uh, realize some uh, further reductions for Brazil's crops. Still mostly more favorable in Argentina. As of late, though, it has turned drier and hotter to uh, become somewhat of a risk point for the market. Uh, At the end of the day, we've got corn and soybean crops in Argentina that put together are almost going to double what uh, they produced during last year's severe drought. 
And so that's, you know, a bit of a headwind over the market. I think for the most part, we've priced in a bigger Argentine crop and have more to go on reflecting the smaller Brazilian number. Well, that's been a look at the grain markets and what's happening there with Joe Camp of Comstock Investments. But right now, Andy Peterson standing by. He's got his three big Iowa Ag Matters here for us. Number three. Concern about fertilizer and the marketplace due to global conflicts, according to Josh Linville, vice president of fertilizer at StoneX. Well, the nitrogen sector had a little bit of a hickey here this weekend uh, in the terms of something that, again, had no direct impact on the nitrogen markets, but it's something that could happen. And that was the attack on a U.S. Jordan base as ended up with three military members dead, dozens injured. And the reason this is important for nitrogen is that it is coming from the rebels uh, based in Syria, and now we're waiting for the response from the U.S. And we're wondering, is this just another uh, physical attack back on the Houthi rebels and it stays there? Is this a physical attack on them and then sanctions on Iran? And whether that will or will not include sanctions on URI exports from Iran? They're a major exporter when they're able to export. Or is there a more direct conflict in the wars because Iran has been back in this group, or at least linked to it? He adds there are a lot of, quote-unquote, what-ifs in the marketplace right now. Number two. The Catalan Feeder Report is out from our friends at the USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service. And as far as the capacity of feedlots with 1,000 head or more, 630,000 head down 2% from December but up 2% from one year ago. A capacity of 1,000 head or less was 3% higher than last month and 4% than a year ago. Placements for a capacity of 1,000 head or more during December 2023 totaled 83,000 head, down 6%, but up 1% from a year ago. And of course, the 1,000 head or less was down 15% from November but up 3% from December of 2022. Looking at acres for the 2024 crop in regard to farmer intentions and a new study from the Farm Futures 2024 group shows 85 million soybean acres could be planted this year. Jacqueline Holland, grain market analyst with Farm Futures, says usage rates are rising faster than production. They're still going to end tight because of the growing soybean crush estimates that we're expecting to see with the boom in renewable diesel demand. So that is actually going to tighten soybean supplies during the next marketing year more than soybean supplies already are. So that's a really good sign for soybean producers that even if there aren't more acres this year, the market is still going to be hungry for those soybeans bushels over the next year year and a half or so now she also says there's a battle going on between spring wheat and soybeans and that decision could be based on northern u.s moisture I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa Ag News and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February.
Well, we're going to conclude our conversation that I had with Monty Shaw as we talk about Iowa's numbers in the renewable fuels enterprise last year on Iowa Ag Matters. Here on Iowa Ag Matters, we are going to be joined by Monty Shaw. He's the executive director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. Monty going to tell us all about those latest numbers for Iowa when it comes to ethanol and what we are looking at going forward. All right, and then moving on to another topic, Monty, we got some numbers uh, from Iowa as far as ethanol production and things like that. Tell us about what those numbers mean and, and what, the, what, what they are actually as well. Uh, for ethanol production, I think Iowa set a new record last year. Uh, with three point, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't, I didn't have that one in front of me. Three, I think we hit 3.6 billion gallons this year. But so overall, we ticked our margin up a little bit. We have very efficient plants, um, or our portion of the overall production. But it's been pretty stagnant, and that's and that's the challenge. You know, we've tapped out the 10% ethanol markets here in the United States. E15 has been very hard to get going because of the on again, off again nature of it, and the the roadblocks that unfortunately political roadblocks have been thrown up in front of that. And that's why, you know, with domestic ethanol use kind of flatlining for the last three or four years, it really has taken a drought and a Russian invasion of Ukraine, which messed up the European breadbasket, to keep corn prices from falling falling further um, and faster. Quite frankly, if, if we'd have had normal weather, uh, you know, kind of average weather that last few years, we'd be sitting on 3 billion bushels of corn. And I don't even want to think about what that price would be. Right. So we've really kind of weather has kind of built us out the last few years, but we, we just aren't seeing growing markets here in the United States. That's why we have to go find uh, some new homes for the corn. And and that's why we're excited about sustainable aviation fuel. All right. Well, Monty, we thank you so much for taking the time to give us these updates and let us know what's going on. And can't wait to hear more about this as the, as the industry continues to grow. But definitely, one of, I know the point was made at the, at the uh, summit that uh, the, 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 the playing field is open and they're getting us a spot on that playing field, but it's up to us how we play it going forward. Yeah, absolutely. They, they want sustainable aviation fuel from ethanol. They need it to meet their own goals. Um, here in, in the United States, we produce very little really low carbon ethanol. Brazil already produces over 7 billion gallons of it. You mentioned being down there. If we don't do this, somebody else will, but they want ours. So we just need to come together, find a way to get these projects over the finish line that can work for everybody. And then we're going to have a massive new market that's pretty exciting. All right. Well, Monty, thanks so much for the insight. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Anytime. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. 
So, Mark, interestingly enough, I know you had a chance to talk with the, the folks at Comstock here this morning. We're going to hear more about the livestock coming up very soon. And I know that the uh, cattle inventory report, as we mentioned earlier, was the uh, only twice a year report. The markets were kind of watching it and they kind of priced ahead of time. Uh, and from what I understand, it was kind of in line with what they were expecting. And that's probably why we saw cattle numbers go down a little bit at the end of the day yesterday, though they are seeming to rebound here today as we get closer to those midday numbers. Yeah, that seems to be the case, Dustin, just looking over it and the report and kind of what we heard from Tyler Shaw yesterday of agmarket.net. He helped us to preview that report on Ag Matters PM, which is our daily YouTube show. And he kind of told us where the trade estimates were going to be at. And just looking at the report from yesterday kind of did fall in line with those numbers from what we heard. So we will find out the full report here, what we learned yesterday from Joe Camp of Comstock coming up with the livestock in just a little bit. All right. Well, we've got to have a check of the basis numbers. I'm going to have those all ready for you to go next on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network online at iowaagnet.com. We'll see you right back after this. Let's run down some of those elevator prices for you on this first day of February on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Huffman. Seeing a lot of shifting in the basis here as the first day of February gets rolling along. But no real rhyme or reason to which ones are going higher and which ones are going lower. But we are seeing more shifts to the lower side, especially on the soybean complex. Let's run down those numbers. Starting at ADM Burlington, they're a dime under on corn, 433. Soybeans 12 cents under at 1199. Cargill Eddyville, two cents over on corn today, 445. New Co-op Algona, a dime under on corn, 433. Soybeans, 55 cents under, cash bid, 1156. Ag State Sheldon, nine cents over on corn, 452. Soybeans, 72 cents under at 1139. Ag State Elta, 17 cents under on corn, cash bid, 426. Soybeans, 62 cents under at 1149. Cargill Cedar Rapids, 20 cents over on corn, cash bid 463, soybeans 15 cents under at 1196. Nexus Co-op, Marble Rock, 8 cents under on corn, 435, soybeans 52 cents under at 1159. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, nickel over on corn, cash bid 448. ADM Des Moines, 4 cents under on soybeans, cash bid 1207. New Co-op Red Oak, a dime under on corn, 433, soybeans 50 cents under at 1161. At Mid-Iowa Cooperative in Green Mountain, they're 22 cents under on corn today, cash bid 421. Soybeans 50 cents under at 1161. New Co-op Sheraton, 20 cents under on corn, 423. Soybeans 60 cents under at 1151. Walk-On Feed Ranch, 20 cents under on corn, 423. Soybeans 49 cents under at 1162. New Co-op Glidden, a dime under on corn, cash bid 433. Soybeans 50 cents under at 1161. Innovative Ag Services Farley, 13 cents under on corn, 430. Soybeans, 53 cents under. Their cash bid, 1158. Cargill Muscatine, closed for the season. They'll reopen the terminal on April 1st. The office is open for normal business. Just a reminder that cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to obtain the most recent price. That's been a check of the basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. 
This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. We've still got more to come here on Iowa Ag Matters, including a complete rundown of the midday numbers. That's coming up with Andy and Mark right after this. This is the Iowa Ag Matters program on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Well, of course, as 2024's growing season nears ever closer, a lot of seeds are going to be going into the ground and a lot of folks looking at different options in their fields, including with Enlist E3 soybean traits, which are becoming more and more popular with the versatility, but also short stature corn is starting to take a bigger chunk of the marketplace. Riley talks with Myron Stein of Stein Seeds. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to planting season. Everybody's going to be thinking about their seed selections and uh, what they want to use for this upcoming year. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Enlist E3 soybeans and uh, just the latest on that. Yeah, so so Stein's the, and you know, we brought Enlist E3 soybeans to the market, and we're really proud of that. And and today it's it's about 55% of the market, that trade platform. And um, so we're we're always excited. We have an array of... Uh, new material every year that comes out of our breeding program in that trait platform. Um, so we're always excited to bring that to our customers because uh, that gives every acre its its yield potential that it deserves. And we know that Enlist E3, I mean, that's, you know, one of the big names that people think of when they're thinking of a seed technology and uh, knowing that it's been used for a while. It's seen a lot of success. Uh, with this past year, you know, we did see a lot of struggles, uh, but what were some of the key takeaways and how did Enlist perform over that past crop year? You know, Enlist, so it's on more acres than ever before, and I think that growers experienced the ease of the use of the herbicide technology. That's the biggest thing. Um, easier to use and highly versatile as far as what different weed pressures you have. And I think that's been a big thing, too, is like how many traits can you stack to uh, have that wide toolbox uh, for the uh, kind of tackling disease, stress, and issues because, you know, it really feels like recently we've seen about just anything you can. So I, I think a lot of producers really value having that uh, stackability of those traits, right? Oh, absolutely. And Enlist E3 was really the, it was the first molecular stack. So the first time that you actually <clears throat> had one construct with, with all three of the herbicide uh, traits in it. And that was a big deal because that that enabled the breeding entities, and especially ours, to rapidly come up with high-performing products. And that's really what the growers want. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the trait platform is exciting, but if the products aren't performing, you're, you're going backwards. And then, of course, uh, on the corn side of things, uh, lots of exciting things there as well. Uh, short stature corn, still kind of a newer term to a lot of producers, and they might be thinking, well, shorter corn, what's the benefit? But we know that uh, there are a lot of maybe not so hidden benefits, but things you might not think about. So tell us a little bit about the short stature corn and uh, the success you guys have seen with that. Yeah, and so, so Stein was the originator of short stature corn, and we, we perfected it within our system. And really what it comes down to is we don't specifically care if it's short or not. It just happens to be that our breeding program and the selection criteria we had in that program began to bring out all these hybrids that were shorter in, in stature or, or typically smaller plant types relative to the conventional hybrids that you, you would see out there. Did a couple things. A, that gave, a, gave you a product you could plant at a higher density so you got more yield per acre 
But then you also have the standability that goes with that, which enables those uh, products to do better in like wind events and things of that nature. Well, Riley, thanks so much for that information there. Great talk with Myron Stein there of Stein Seeds. Andy Peterson's back here with his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Concern about fertilizer and the marketplace due to global conflicts, according to Josh Linville, vice president of fertilizer at StoneX. Well, the nitrogen sector had a little bit of a hiccup here this weekend uh, in the terms of something that, again, had no direct impact on the nitrogen markets, but it's something that could happen. And that was the attack on a U.S. Jordan base that ended up with three military members dead, dozens injured. And the reason this is important for nitrogen is that it is coming from the rebels uh, based in Syria, and now we're waiting for the response from the U.S. And we're wondering, is this just another uh, physical attack back on the Houthi rebels and it stays there? Is this a physical attack on them and then sanctions on Iran? And whether that will or will not include sanctions on Yuri exports from Iran, they're a major exporter when they're able to export. Or is there a more direct conflict in the worst because Iran has been back in this group, or at least linked to it? He adds there are a lot of quote-unquote what-ifs in the marketplace right now. Number two. The Catalan feeder report is out from our friends at the USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service. And as far as the capacity of feedlots with a thousand head or more, 630,000 head down 2% from December but up 2% from one year ago. A capacity of 1,000 head or less was 3% higher than last month and 4% than a year ago. Placements for a capacity of 1,000 head or more during December of 2023 totaled 83,000 head, down 6%, but up 1% from a year ago. And of course, the 1,000 head or less was down 15% from November but up 3% from December of 2022. Number one. Looking at acres for the 2024 crop in regard to farmer intentions and a new study from the Farm Futures 2024 group shows 85 million soybean acres could be planted this year. Jacqueline Holland, grain market analyst with Farm Futures, says usage rates are rising faster than production. They're still going to end tight because of the growing soybean crush estimates that we're expecting to see with the boom in renewable diesel demand. So that is actually going to tighten soybean supplies during the next marketing year more than soybean supplies already are. So that's a really good sign for soybean producers that even if there aren't more acres this year, the market is still going to be hungry for those soybean bushels over the next year, year and a half or so. Now she also says there's a battle going on between spring wheat and soybeans and that decision could be based on northern U.S. moisture. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, we had some interesting uh, turnarounds in the marketplace yesterday. In fact, cattle had a rough go even before 
The cattle inventory report came out after the final bell. We did see the markets kind of play in anticipation for what was going to happen, and it pretty well stayed according to what they thought was going to happen. But again, grains have been having some struggles. I know earlier this morning, it was a lot of red on the screen. Mark and Andy are going to tell you what's going on with those grain and livestock numbers next as they give us a complete rundown of the middays here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. This is Iowa Ag Matters. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today by Amanda Brill of Total Farm Marketing for our Midday Market Discussion. Amanda, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? We've got lower prices today in corn and soybeans. Corn's down by about two cents, soybeans down by 18. Wheat is mixed, though. Um, Chicago wheat's up four cents and Casey's down two. Um, Not a whole lot of fresh news. Export sales were in line with expectations for corn, a little bit on the higher end of, of expectations. And for soybeans, not very good, a marketing year low. There was a flash sale of soybeans to Mexico this morning, but um, export sales are kind of the news today. And that pressure on the prices, Amanda, is it just strictly the South American situation and just still counting on big crops from that part of the world? I think that's the main reason. I mean, we're going to be seeing likely a larger crop than last year from South America in both corn and soybeans. And it's hard to get the markets to rally when they're starting to harvest. Um, there's been some estimates that that Argentina's crop might be ri- increasing and then um, Brazil's decreasing a little bit probably ends up offsetting each other. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Here are the in-depth livestock numbers. At midday, we start daily estimated cattle slaughter estimates. 127,000 head, 1,000 more than a week ago, and 4,000 more than a year ago. Choice and select boxes are both lower. The spread widening just a little bit on low movement or light movement, I guess you'd say. 68 loads of choice boxes selling down a buck 53, 294.54. Select is off 288, 284.17 on 18 loads of movement. The spread widening to still a very narrow 1037. As far as pork numbers go, daily estimated slaughter totals coming in at 491,000 head. That's 2,000 less than a week ago and 3,000 more than a year ago. Cash markets. Let's start by wrapping up yesterday's trade for comparison purposes. Barrels and gilts producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchases, pretty good run, 6,300 head. The weighted average price sharply higher, up 316 to 62.56 formula purchases uh, the weighted average price finishing at 72.14 on 160,000 head of sales so that market was up about 40 cents as far as what's happening at midday here today we see the numbers not available due to confidentiality issues and packer submission issues so we will catch those tomorrow hi my name is ethan smith and i've been a certified crop advisor in iowa for about six years The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. At midday, March corn is down two and a half at four forty-five and three quarters. March soybeans down eighteen and a half at twelve oh three and three quarters. 
March soybean meal down $5.80 at 362.50. March soybean oil down 19 cents at 45.83. On the Merck, February live cattle up $1.27 at 178.62. March feeder cattle up $3.65 at 243.80. February lean hogs down 55 cents at 75.80. February pork cutout down 5 cents at 88 even. And class 3 milk up 4 cents at 16.14. That was a check of the Midday Markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. And we're going to get back into the livestock side of things as Mark continues his conversation with Joe Kemp of Comstock Investments. Find out what's going on with those cattle and hogs. Here's we go. Get going today. Joe, let's switch over to the other side of the ag marketplace in the livestock complex. A lot to talk about with the cattle as we got the cattle inventory report yesterday. What were we expecting to see in that report, Joe, and what actually transpired and did it line up? Sure, that cattle inventory report, an important one, it only comes out twice a year. And this one, you'd have to say these estimates, uh, by and large, were well, really well pegged, at least by the average trade guest. You know, there are wider ranges of estimates, but on average, uh, the pre-report estimates came in, you know, right as expected pretty well. All cattle and calves count uh, at 98.1% uh, from last year, down 1.9%. There were some more bullish revisions to last year's numbers that make uh, these overall counts even lighter uh, than had been anticipated. You've got that all cattle and calves number the lowest at its lowest level since 1951. Beef cows as tight as we've seen them since 1961. You have a calf crop that's down 2.5% again here from last year. You have really no real sign that heifer retention is, is picking up right away here. And so it's uh, not only a look back of, of what we've got, uh, you know, in terms of the influence of herd re uh, contraction to this point, but it is uh, partially a look ahead of what is still going to be a tighter year here and some time before we can really gain any traction on herd rebuilding. And so it's a bullish number. There's still a question for the market as to whether this recent run up for futures has, you know, priced in a lot of this uh, anticipation of a friendly report. We are looking at, you know, gains of almost $20 over the last two months for some of these nearby live cattle contracts, over $30 for the feeders. Um, but we'll we'll see a response here as the market opens and going forward from here. It's still going to be, I think, generally speaking, a source of support for the market, this reminder of just how tight cattle numbers are. And what about the hog market right now? We've got some pretty good strength to continue reporting on. I think it's eight sessions in a row that the nearby contracts have closed higher. And that's a, a big run up from recent weakness. You get to a point where we do wonder if the futures market is getting ahead of the cash trade, uh, but that's been a, a large gap here for some time, and overall we continue to focus on the seasonal expectation for cash prices to start to move up into the summer months at least. That fits, too, with our uh, outlook for production in general uh, declining into the early months of summer. So it's a, a friendlier market, again, maybe one, though, similar to what we speak of with cattle, uh, that has us questioning if it's been played out. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. 
Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, Mark Magnuson will continue his conversation with Dan Hellstrom, actually wrapping it up here next on Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined today by Dan Halstrom. He is the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Are there any countries that are just kind of taking some baby steps but could eventually become an export market that's in line with what we want to see, that growth overseas, obviously, but maybe a country that still has a room for a lot of growth? Yeah, I think um, I think there's several examples. I mean, you know, you've got places like the Philippines. You've got places like, uh, um, you know, a place like Peru in South America and, and Malaysia. You know, Malaysia wasn't even on the map a couple of years ago, and uh, and there aren't that many plants approved yet for Malaysia, which is a, a little bit of a restriction, but that'll come. Now, on the flip side of that, when you go to a market like Korea, it's a very mature market. So what are the main goals when you're going to a place that U.S. pork is so well established? Yeah, well, Korea is a good example. Um, One of the things we see driving growth in some of these more modern markets or more mature markets is the demand for convenience. And Korea is a leader. When I say convenience, I'm talking about um, something that adds value and adds uh, and 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 takes less time out of the consumer's time uh, in the whole chain of his day. So, home meal replacement kits, for example, restaurant meal replacement. Um, you know, this sort of thing uh, combined with the e-commerce trends, uh, vast difference between places like Korea and the U.S. The the percentage of transactions for grocery at e-commerce is, well, it's it's extremely high in, in Korea to the tune of 40% of their transactions. Down to the producer level, I'm not trying to put any more work on their plate. They're very busy creating, or I should say, producing the pork that comes from this country. But is there anything that they should be mindful of or taking into account when it comes to the export side? Is it just being knowledgeable about what's happening right now in the export markets and it's some of those places that you're trying to grow exports? Well, I think it's twofold. I think producers should be proud of the fact that we're running at a record of 63 over $63 a head payback due to exports. That has everything to do with the producers, their attention to quality, attention to nutrition, attention to animal welfare, all these things, sustainability. But the other thing that they really need to be cognizant of is their attention to animal safety and animal health. Uh, one of the big bogeys out there is if we had any kind of foreign animal disease that was trade restricting, like foot and mouth disease, African swine fever, these sorts of things, uh, that would be devastating, at least on the short term, for the industry with loss of trade access. So, in fact, I know there's panels going on today regarding traceability, and that ties into this whole discussion about being being prepared in the case, uh, and hopefully it never happens, but in the case of a foreign animal disease. So I think to be aware and in the loop on that topic, topic is important as well. 
every time that a group comes back from an overseas trip, I hear these stories about how the consumers there, the end users, are so appreciative of learning directly from producers how United States pork is produced. Do you, and you get to see that every single time you go on a trip, Dan. Could you tell our audience what's that, what that's like when that consumer gets to interact with the producer? Yeah, the USMEF, our organization, we, we, we love what we do. We, we like to go out and tell the story. But you're exactly right. There's no replacement for having a producer go and tell the story. And the the coming from the grassroots level, uh, can the trade, whether it's a retailer or a food service guy or a distributor in any country, Korea, Hong Kong, Japan, wherever, it's very effective. And uh, we do it all the time to the extent that we can. Uh, every September, we take what we call a Heartland team over. We had Last September, we had 20 producers that went. They were pork producers, beef producers, uh, corn and soybean producers. And having them sit down with uh, a company like Emart, one of the largest retailers in Korea, uh, it's just it's hard to describe how effective it is. And, uh, and it's good for the producers to see that side, too. President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Dan Halstrom, our guest here today. Dan, thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, we are at the end of another busy show here at Mark. We've uh, covered a lot of ground and really was uh, fortunate to have uh, Monty Shaw really break down the sustainable aviation fuel market beyond just what it means for the industry, but also relaying it in a way that you know, gives Iowa farmers a, a way to understand what this could mean for the future of their corn markets and, and what that could mean going forward for the industry as a whole in this state. Yes, Dustin, I really enjoyed your conversation with Monty. I think he made a lot of very interesting points. And like you said, it could have big implications for the state of Iowa going forward. And future of renewable fuels, of course, is something that we are always watching. So another, like Dustin said, jam-packed show today. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Dustin. Thanks to Andy Peterson. Thank you to Riley Smith. I'm Mark Magnuson for Iowa Ag Matters.